I'm a true champion. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm Aaron X. This is the WrestlePod Podcast. I'm here to review WWE Extreme Rules, or not so extreme rules as some people. In fact, some people are calling it WWE Normal Rules, and I kind of get the joke, but like anything on the internet, especially on Twitter, it's already overplayed, so spare us the fucking jokes. We're not going to repeat that garbage here, but I do have some fresh takes. I do have some hot takes when it comes to this pay-per-view. Now, it's audio only. I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I will put up YouTube videos. Um, They'll just have kind of highlights running in the background, so Ultimately, sorry you can't see my face, but it's been a very busy week. Want to shout out everybody involved with IWE for not only giving me the opportunity to work, but what an amazing show they put on under such difficult circumstances. So proud of everyone involved, and there will be a podcast coming very soon for that. Most likely dropping very, very quickly after this one, so apologies if there's a little bit too much content. However... Let's get to WWE Extreme Rules. Now, first of all, I'm very disappointed that Liv Morgan and Carmella wasn't on the main show. I know that you have to have a kickoff show, but coming into this, we only had six matches. They didn't announce the opener, which is very annoying, so obviously I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But Liv and Carmella deserve a spot on the main card. You know, especially when you haven't got that many matches. I don't understand how you can say, yeah, well, you know... I mean, is it pre-show kickoff worthy? Yes, I get it, and I understand, and I'm not going to make a huge fuss about it, but it just feels like, well, you only had six matches originally announced, including this one, um, so could you not have, you know, forced this in? Okay, fair enough. I just think it's a bit disappointing. Good match, nonetheless, for what it was worth. Obviously, you know, nobody's going to care about it in the long term. But I I liked it. I thought it was a good match. It was too short. Well, I say too short. I mean, it was almost eight minutes. Liv Morgan won. That was what I wanted. So I'm happy about that nonetheless. But decent match and worth your time if you're truly supporting women's wrestling like a lot of us are, especially at this podcast. Now, the show opened properly with the New Day. Um, All of them. All three of them. Taking on Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Umas. Now... Okay, fine, <laughs> to a certain extent. Uh, it's the second longest match of the night, which was strange. No, it was a fun match. It was good. It, you know, it, it wasn't bad by any means. It was definitely very solid, proper good three-star opener, if you're into ratings, which I'm not. Um, I mean, I like, I, I like using them as a barometer to decide what I think of a certain match. And so, for me, I like to use just a proper five-star rating, five-star being absolutely the pinnacle, pretty much damn near immaculate one star being, I don't know, half of the AEW matches I see these days. Sorry, it is what it is. Like, you know, they do some incredible stuff, but I don't know. Orange Cassidy, probably very much verging on the one star territory as far as I'm concerned. It's not a knock on AEW, it's just a knock on certain wrestlers in that company before you start sending me even more hate mail because you're all upset. Yeah. The New Day versus Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles and Omos feels like a raw match. Feels like, at best, a Raw main event. And that's what it was. It was a really good match that no doubt could have been on Raw. And it was thrown in there last minute to kind of hype up the fact that they're going to give you the title rematch, Bobby Lashley versus the brand new WWE champion, Big E. That's going to be the rematch. That's going to be, well, tonight actually, um, you know, based on the time that I'm recording this. Monday night. Um, That's fine. And I get why they're putting a big title match like that on Raw, because they want to try and, you know, garner ratings. 
The problem is they've got to do it long term, and this is where they're having a big issue for me. So it's great that you're putting Bobby Lashley versus Big E for the WWE title on Raw again. I think that's a good match. I think that is definitely something that a decent amount of wrestling fans, particularly the WWE loyalists, will want to watch. The problem is you can't keep hot-shotting big matches just to counter AEW. I've seen this before. We've seen this a thousand times with any kind of competition in wrestling. Long-term is where you're going to get people. By building up stars long-term with good storytelling, you're not going to get... like Okay, you might get an extra, I don't know, 100, 200,000, maybe slightly more, might tune in because they think, oh, that's a big match. Oh, WWE title's on the line. Maybe I'll bother watching this Raw. But it's still a three-hour show. You've still got to fill that other two and a half hours. And if you don't put good stuff in there, which admittedly they did last week, but that's because, of course, they had Roman Reigns and whatnot, people are going to... They're just not going to trust you. And you've got to rebuild that trust. They've gone from having the most successful wrestling show in the history of wrestling to a middling, okay show that garners around 1.5 to 1.8 million, give or take. Okay, that's cool. Now, overall, they get better numbers than Dynamite, which some people would argue is their main competition. I don't personally give a shit. But obviously, they're starting to lose the demo, which all of a sudden, the demo matters. You know, everyone was laughing at Chris Jericho. Demo God. Even the AEW fans were like, that's a bit of a dumb name. But now, all of a sudden, because they're beating a WWE thing, it's like, oh my God, we're part of something. We're so cool. We're so successful. We beat the demo rating of Raw by 0.2. Congratulations. You beat the worst show in wrestling by just 0.2 of the demo. Like, I don't think that's a massive thing to celebrate. It shouldn't really be that hard to write a better show than Raw because Raw is fucking awful. It just is. Last week's was amazing, but a lot of that had to do with Roman Reigns being on the show. And obviously the Usos, who are, let's be fair, one of the best tag teams of all time at this point. This match was fun. This six-man tag. Uh, by the way, Omos, on board. I, I think he's green, obviously, which is not his fault. I don't think he should be on major TV. Uh, I don't think he's exciting by any means. Obviously, it's a great novelty. Huge, seven-foot-free man. Look at the size of him. Oh, my God. But that's pretty much all he's got. That's all he's got. You know, oh, I'm big and I'm massive and I do big jobs and stuff like that. It's like, okay, that's cool. What else do you do? He's not very good on the mic. He's not very agile. He's not very athletic. He kind of reminds me of Black Giant Gonzalez. Sorry. It's kind of how it is. Uh, everyone else was fine in this match. Um... Bobby Lashley taking the loss is a, a little bit surprising. It feels like at this point that Bobby Lashley is kind of becoming, you know, the butt of the joke. This is what happens with WWE. So they've built somebody else up in Big E. He's gone over Bobby Lashley. He's become WWE champion. It's an amazing moment. We're all happy about that. Huge deal as well. First ever time an African-American champion has pinned another... Oh, an African-American wrestler, should I say, has pinned another African-American wrestler to win the WWE title. You know, it's fucking awesome but Bobby Lashley's now starting to look like a little bit of a bitch and you know he's probably going to lose as well on Raw tonight and then he just becomes again another mid-card guy and that's a bit worrying because I don't want him to just be another mid-card guy we want him to be or maintain his position as a special talent this is the problem with WWE they make people feel special for about a month or so and then they shit can them and then they just middle around to do nothing you know, there's nothing wrong with not always being in the title scene, but give them something meaningful and relevant to do, and this is going to be a big test for them. This match was absolutely fine, but it should have been on Raw. Should have been on Raw. Do you know what they should have done? They should have had this as the main event of Raw tonight, and said, 
you know, if by some, by hook or by crook, if Bobby Lashley's team wins, you know, Bobby Lashley gets a title shot, and you know, maybe uh, AJ Styles and Omos are in the running for the tag team titles again. Okay, something along those lines. Instead of being like, yeah, cool. Um, even though Bobby Lashley lost this match, which makes it even more dumb, he's going to get a title shot because he had a little whinge on promo. All right, fair enough. This is what it is. <sighs> the Usos. Uh, they defended their titles against the Street Profits. Successfully. Heartbreaker. I have been saying for the best part of two years, I don't want to be that guy who's like, called it, because I hate that shit. But I will say one thing. I've been out in front from the get-go that Montez Ford is a certifiable megastar. He could be the next WWE champion. And I reckon that somebody has recognised this after his nice little run against Roman Reigns. He had that great match on SmackDown. You got a real vibe for it. People were talking about it all over the internet. They're looking for more diversity, more diverse champions. That's pretty clear. Which is good. About 40 years too late, but it's good. Um, and of course, with the Street Profits losing here, and maybe I'm just being a conspiracy theorist and looking into it too much, but before the match, uh, there was a little moment where they just kind of looked at each other very emotionally and had a nice little embrace. And you just thought, is this the end? Because the draft comes up this Friday. Um... I could see them separating them. And obviously, Angelo Dawkins. I know my boy Eddie Kenway hates him. He's wrong. <laughs> but he hates him nonetheless. I feel like he might end up becoming the Tucker in this scenario. And, yeah, that that may not be good for business. Uh, it may not be good for either guy, actually. WWE has a habit of sh hot-shotting guys. And they see a certain amount of potential. And instead of saying, hey, let's take it nice and easy. And see how things go. More often than not, history tells us that... If one guy from the tag team does very well, um, particularly in recent history, they'll get separated, they might have a little run, and then they kind of both end up in obscurity. You know, not always. Edge and Christian both ended up being megastars in the singles wrestling, especially Edge. Um, but it's not always the case with that. And more often than not, you know, and we've seen a lot as of late with separating tag teams for the sake of it, and it, it just doesn't do anything for them. You know, they separated uh, Gable and Jordan... That didn't work out, and now both of them are completely obscure. Uh, they separated Otis and Tucker, who were really exciting as a tag team. Now they're completely obscure. <laughs> they separated Undisputed Era, the hottest faction in all of wrestling. And now, I don't know, one of them's doing exceptionally well in a different company, and the other three are pretty much adrift, albeit doing okay at what they're doing. So, you know, there's, there's loads of examples there, but this was a great match. I thought this was really, really awesome. This proved to me why I believe these two to be two of the best tag teams uh, right now in the world, especially the Usos. But the Street Profits are so exciting, so entertaining, so colourful, so charismatic. It was a great match. It really was. It's just a shame because I feel, I'm, I hope they're going to prove me wrong, but I'm worried that the Street Profits, this might be it for them. So, fingers crossed. I really want to be wrong on this. I really do. Charlotte Flair. Oh, thank God. Um, she defended her title against Alexa Bliss, the Raw Women's Championship, and I was petrified about this match because, you know, Alexa Bliss for me, I like Alexa Bliss, okay? You know, no denying how talented she is and she's smoking hot, she's so adorable and all these different things that people love about her. Um, you know, I, I'm trying not to be a cretin, but ultimately, you know, her being attractive, that is a selling point to a lot of people. It is. May not, may not necessarily be for us, but it is for a lot of people. And I know how thirsty Carl gets at any given point when it comes to Alexa Bliss. You know, these are beautiful women. And I thought, with everything that they've been pushing with the gimmick and the 
apparently very successful sales of all their merch, especially Lily dolls. I thought, oh my god, they're going to do it. They're going to put the belt on her. And then I realised, oh shit, it's in Columbus, Ohio, which is our hometown. I thought, don't you fucking dare. You, you could just smell it a mile off. I thought, don't you fucking dare. And to be fair, right, this match was fine. Okay, it was a good match. The problem is, again, like, I don't... I don't harp on about it as much as other older, you know, wrestling analysts, you know, the Jim Cornettes of the world who say, oh, it's ridiculous, she's 4 foot 11 and Charlotte Flair's 6 foot tall and blah, blah, blah. And Okay, it does look a little bit silly, but what annoys me is the fact that, you know, Charlotte Flair's been knocking off everybody. Alexa Bliss hasn't really done anything up until this point other than a load of spoopy nonsense. Um, The match was fine for what it was. I think Charlotte Flair is, dare I say, and this is going to upset a lot of people, underrated. I think she is. I think we take her for granted because she constantly keeps winning titles. Um, and, you know, it's 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 fashionable to hate someone like Charlotte Flair. Because she's beautiful, because she's successful, because she always seems to win when you don't want her to. Which is what a heel does. We all hated Triple H as a heel. But people turned out in their droves because they wanted to see him lose. And Charlotte Flair has that appeal too. But I love her. I think she's incredible. I think she's the complete package. She feels like a megastar. She feels like easily, easily one of the biggest stars in WWE, especially on Raw, where they are so devoid of, you know, megastars and talent and people being pushed the right way. Yes, she is overbooked, but everybody is in WWE if they're successful. That's just the way it is. You You have to kind of, you know, you have to tailor your needs with that sort of thing. You have to understand and appreciate that that's just the way it is with WWE and has been for many years. It's not going to change just because we want it to. Just because we're having a little whinge about it. Um, but I thought the match was good. I thought it was fun. You know, Alexa Bliss got in a nice little sort of hope spot as well. It helped that the crowd were nice and hot for this as well. They seemed really up for it. when, of course, they're going to be because it's the hometown hero. The ending felt a bit flat. You know, Charlotte Flair obviously retained, which is fine. And then... The ripping of the doll, I don't care. I feel like it demeans both talents at this point. Alexa Bliss did her best, and you kind of feel sorry for her. She's having a little cry, and she's holding on to the remains of Lily, and she had some weird patch in her mouth, which she clearly put in her mouth when she um, when she went under the announce table after she'd been thrown over the top of it after the match. Um, it just all looked a bit fake to me. Uh, whatever. It is what it is. It's, you know, I'm not going to remember this as a world-class women's contest. And certainly not as much as I thought of the other one. Um, but it was good nonetheless. I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. I didn't expect a great deal from the match because of Alexa Bliss's gimmick and all the, you know, scary, spoopy nonsense. Um, but it was okay. I thought it was absolutely fine. And Charlotte Flair retaining for me is the right choice. Hopefully, Asuka's going to return and maybe uh, knock her off. Or maybe we can actually call up someone new, someone fresh. Don't know, just an idea there. I don't want to, don't want to get too out of my uh, comfort zone, but it could be an idea. Uh, Damian Priest, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus for the United States title is the sleep hit of the night for me. I had zero interest going into the show for this match. I thought, oh, I do not fucking care. Like, I like all three guys. Jeff Hardy is a legend in his own right. Sheamus for me is one of the most underrated workers the business has ever had, and Damian Priest could be a megastar, an absolute megastar, especially if he's booked right and he's allowed to continue to ride this kind of momentum that he garnered from working with Bad Bunny and, you know, he just feels like a megastar and he's got diversity, like you say, in that crossover, especially, you know, right now, I, I joke with my good buddy Astrid about the whole, you know, because it's Latin Heritage Month or, you know, and 
it, you do kind of think, oh, okay, maybe WWE's kind of riding that momentum. You know, nothing's ever a complete coincidence. Coincidence, but um, you know, he he retained. Uh, it was fine for what it was. I just was surprised at how exciting and how well put together the match was. I don't know why I should be surprised when you got veterans like Jeff and Sheamus and someone with a pure talent, a priest, but it just all clicked really well. Um, hopefully, we're not going to see any more of Sheamus or Jeff Hardy near the United States title. They need to really freshen up the mid card. That's something that could really help uh, WWE as a whole. It feels like it's always the same interchangeable guys going after the mid card belts. You know, it's always a, a Bobby Roode or a Dolph Ziggler or a Jeff Hardy or a show. These guys who are perpetually going to be mid-carders for the rest of their lives now. And, you know, it's sweet that Jeff Hardy comes out and says, I want to be Universal Champion one more time before I retire. Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to go on a date with Sasha Banks, mate. Some things just ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> you know, I would very much like to take Liv Morgan out for dinner. This is, again, something that's never going to happen. Apparently, Bo Dallas beat me to it as well. Well done, sir. Unbelievable. Hmm. Ah, I, I don't know what else to say. I thought this match was good, but like I say, the mid-card just feels so boring and stale. Again, the IC title kind of feels like a bit of a joke. You know, it wasn't on this show. I would like to actually see a stat of how many times the IC title has been defended on a major pay-per-view. Or in fact, both belts have been defended on major pay-per-views in the last few years. Because it does feel like it's on the low end of the spectrum. But Damian Priest retaining is the right decision by a country mile. And the match was surprisingly fun and surprisingly good. However, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Uh, okay, the ending is going to upset people. There was a lot of dodgy endings going on in this show which would have annoyed people to a certain extent, particularly when it mattered most. Becky Lynch defends the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair and does a fucking great job of it. I thought she was awesome. Uh, I, thought, I thought this fucking match was fantastic. I think from a pure wrestling standpoint, easily match of the night for me. I think Becky Lynch looked out of this world so much better. And you know me, I'm not a big fan of Becky Lynch. Um, there's no denying her star power, but I think her matches are very boring. Uh, very formulaic, uh, without being entertaining. And this was not the case. She brought a lot of new moves to the party. She was able to evolve. I loved her interactions with Michael Cole. I loved the fact that she heard Michael Cole shouting on a commentary thing and actually fucking pulled him up on it in front of him. And then, you know, I love Pat McAfee. He had so much value to that color position on SmackDown. He's another reason why SmackDown is streets ahead of Raw is because, you know, they have the people that just work better in that scenario. I don't like Freeman Poos either. I don't like Michael Carr. I think he's garbage, but you're just so used to him now. You just kind of accept it for what it is. This match was so well put together. It was so physical. It was brilliant. And normally when you have a schmoz ending and a, a no DQ, a no contest do, so to speak, you kind of feel like, oh, I've been shortchanged. But I didn't feel that way with this because Sasha Banks came back as I suggested she might in the prediction show. Called it! <laughs> Sorry, had to do it. I thought this was great. I thought this match was brilliant. And I think it makes sense to bring Sasha Banks back, especially right before the draft. Her coming out, beating the shit out of Bianca Belair and thinking, oh, you know, oh, she's she's gone full heel. She's taken out on Bianca Belair because Bianca Belair, you know beat her at Wrestlemania and she's overtaken her as the premium blueprint superstar of women's wrestling on Smackdown and then uh, she's like fuck you Becky Lynch you know I like the little moment because Becky's like oh yeah we're cool right we're cool oh yeah of course we're cool wham sit down bitch fucking great 
fucking great. The, these felt like big stars. By the way, this match, better than anything I've seen in terms of women's wrestling on the other major show. And that's not me saying, oh, fuck AEW. It's just a fact of, this is what AEW should be looking at and thinking, we could do stuff like that. We've got women who are capable of that, but they don't seem to want to do that. They're so obsessed with, you know, it's great that Britt Baker's getting a push, but at the expense of pretty much everybody else. Just like Hikaru Shida, who was having great matches, but nobody cared because, well, with all due respect, she had the personality of a walnut. Seems like a lovely girl, but being a lovely person doesn't necessarily mean that you're deserving of being a megastar. I know loads of people who are lovely people. It doesn't mean they should be making more money than everybody else. Um, but I thought this match was great. I think Sasha Banks coming back bolsters SmackDown even more. SmackDown is super loaded with talent. Just don't fuck it up in the draft by sending all the wrong people the wrong way. Oh, I dread to think what they could do here. They could really fuck this up if they're not careful. Personally, I don't think they need a draft. I think they should just get rid of the whole fucking idea of crossovers. I think they've already upset enough people. By releasing talent. Why not just release a shitload more of people. There's loads of guys there. Guys like Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. I'm sorry to say. If they were going to be megastars. They would have been megastars by now. They are great ring hands. But they're not going to add much value to anything anymore. Like you know. If Dolph Ziggler turned up on AEW. I'd be like okay that's cool for a little bit. But I'm not going to. I'm not so invested that I'm going to. Chase after him and watch AEW just because of that. If Especially if I'm a neutral fan. So, you know, there's loads of guys there who could be turfed out or just on, you know, boogs, who fucking cares? You know, there's a lot of guys like that. Um, you know, the Bo Dallas's of the world, I'm not saying Bo Dallas obviously himself, because I know he's been released, but guys of that kind of candid nature, who are good workers, good ring hands, but that's all they are. Turf them out. Don't bother with a fucking brand split. Just have high quality wrestling on both shows. Just like you used to back in the Attitude Era. That worked. It absolutely worked, and it can work again. Instead of being ridiculously convoluted. And people can still tune into an NXT and see something different and something unique that isn't like the other main roster, even though they're desperately trying to make it look more and more like Raw every week. That's fair enough. But yeah, um, SmackDown looking good. Women's division looking absolutely stellar. Be interesting to see how it looks after they do the drafts. Uh, because obviously they're doing it on SmackDown, they're doing it on Raw. But Becky Lynch, of course, retains with shenanigans. But to her credit, I thought she was great. I actually think this is one of the best Becky Lynch matches I've ever seen. I thought she was fucking fantastic. Really, really liked her in this match. And Bianca Belair is just an absolute megastar. She's awesome, that girl. And the fact that she didn't look... I like this. I know people are going to use the main event as an argument for protecting talent. But I felt like they actually did protect the talent well here. Because Becky Lynch can't lose. Obviously, she's just come back and she's your biggest draw in terms of women. Bianca Belair, if she'd lost, would have felt like a bit of a bitch, especially after losing a SummerSlam the way she did. And Sasha Banks coming in kind of helps negate all of that. I think it worked well. I'm not a huge fan of no contests, but this is a middling pay-per-view as well. Let's not act like Extreme Rules is a big deal. It's not. It's just a B pay-per-view, albeit a very, very good one. I thought this pay-per-view was actually a lot of fun, and this match was very much the cherry on top of it for me. Now, the main event was fucking incredible, but it ended with something very, very silly, which I don't understand. So, Roman Reigns, of course he was going to successfully defend his Universal Championship, but because he was facing the Demon, you were intrigued. How are WWE going to do this? 
I personally thought this was fucking amazing, absolutely incredible, for about 16 minutes, uh, 17 minutes, even maybe 18, <laughs> absolutely balls to the wall fantastic, uh, the story told was amazing, can we just put this to bed now, because even I was one of those people who wasn't a big fan of him as a face, Roman Reigns is fucking incredible, for me, I don't think he's the best wrestler in the world in terms of, you know, wrestling, but I think in terms of everything that he's meant to do, and in his role as a superstar, not just a wrestler, but as a superstar, as a sports entertainer, I think he is the best in the world at it. He is so good. I love his in-ring talking. And obviously, Paul Heyman at his ring, at ringside with him is just so special. Paul Heyman is truly, truly, truly a megastar in that regard. Um, I'm sorry, nobody touches him in terms of performance value. And, of course, you've got the bloodline as well with the Usos and stuff like that. It just all works so well and it's so smooth and it's so professional. And every time you see it, it never gets boring. And it's unique and it, oh, it's so fresh and exciting. You, you can't help but think, imagine if they'd done this with John Cena. So this match was everything I expected it to be. I'm sorry, but for me, I would rather watch Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor any day of the week over anything that... I don't know. I mean, there are, there are guys I probably may watch slightly more on an impact standpoint. But, you know, for instance, I'm looking at all the world champions. Um, I love Trevor Murdoch. I really do. But I'm not going to pay serious money to watch a guy like that. Maybe Nick Aldis I would have. Um, but, you know, I'm not... I'm sorry. I don't think Kenny Omega can have a match like this. I think Kenny Omega is an amazing athlete. I don't think he can tell a story like this. I, I, admittedly, it is subjective... And I like more paced storytelling matches. I like spectacles as well. Not just, here's two good wrestlers. That's great, but I can go and watch an indie show and see two good wrestlers. And I do a lot, and I fucking love that. And it's, you know, it's bread and butter. But when I'm watching TV wrestling, and I've put aside a specific amount of time to genuinely watch and be invested in your pay-per-view, or even paid money to watch it, like you do with the network or a pay-per-view, I want to see the cream of the crop. And, you know... <laughs> Kenny Omega vs. Christian Cage is not cream of the crop. It's not. You know, nothing against both of those guys. Because everybody knows. I mark out hard for Christian. Love him dearly. Not as much Kenny Omega. I just don't think he can match up to Roman Reigns in terms of his star power. I just don't. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's a big star in wrestling. But I just don't think he's close to Roman Reigns. And a lot of that's helped by the fact that he's got this big WWE juggernaut behind him. I thought this match was fucking awesome. This is just another in a long list of matches that Roman Reigns has where he's fucking amazing. It's just so good and so easy and so fun. And then, what in God's name are you doing? So, I will go on the record as saying it didn't upset me nearly as much as it did everybody else. Maybe because I watched it while I was actually awake as opposed to watching it at fucking three in the morning like I normally do. Watch this, you know, after the fact when I woke up. So, Finn Balor gets a power-up moment. <laughs> like he would, it was like watching a video game. His music all of a sudden plays again. And you see him doing the whole convulsion thing. Now, that was fucking pants. It was. Like, it was fun, but it was pants. I enjoyed it in the moment. But then when I watched it back, I was, I was like, actually, yeah, it's quite fucking stupid. And a bit fucking corny. Um, very carnival-esque. Uh, and then he kind of powers up. The music powers him up. You know, he goes... And he kind of shoots up. It's like fucking Mario getting a power up. And 
off he goes, and he's enraged, and he starts beating the shit out of Roman Reigns, he's got his power, oh my god, he's destroying him, and the fans are thinking, okay, it's a bit shit, and we don't know how to react, however, Finn Balor looks like he's about to win the title, so we're just going to go with it, and he's wrecking sharp, and he's battering him, and he gets up on the top rope, and he spends an exorbitant amount of time up there, and you're thinking, hurry up, mate, and I'm thinking, something's going to happen here, somebody's going to fucking come down, something crazy is going to happen, something's going to blow my mind, maybe Brock Lesnar is just going to appear out of nowhere, catch him in midair and F5 him, and I'm going to fucking lose my tits over it, no, the top rope breaks, <laughs> what the shit, the top rope breaks, Finn Balor has to kind of feign injury, and in the commotion, he gets hit with a spear and loses, okay, no idea why they thought this was a good idea. I get it. You're trying to protect Finn Balor. I understand. And you have to protect the Demon, especially because he's never lost before coming into this match. Well, he has now. But instead of, like, just... You know, it would have been much better if Roman had just beaten him cleanly. Without all the shenanigans. Because then people would have been like, holy shit. It would have added more credibility to Roman Reigns and his, this incredible... For me, it's the best Universal title run by a mile. I know it's not saying much when you see some of the previous offerings. Second best is easily Danny Bryan's run. Um, and also, to be fair, shout out to Kevin Owens. He was great as well. But uh, I don't understand why you got to do this. I thought the pay-per-view was great, actually. And the women's no contest made sense. At least from my perspective. Why did you need to do this? You didn't. You didn't need to do this, but you did it anyway. Okay, great. <laughs> this is one of those things. I was like, well, what do you want me to say? I mean, am I happy that they ended the match the way they did? No. D did it take away, though, from my enjoyment of the main event? No. I thought the main event was fucking awesome. I find it astonishing that people are moaning. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Street Profits versus Usos. Roman Reigns versus... The Demon Finn Balor. If I had to give them ratings all over four stars. All fucking high quality, top quality, amazing matches. By the way, Finn Balor once again proving why, you know, he belongs in it. I mean, you know, for me, Finn Balor, easily a better wrestler than 99% of wrestlers in the world. No, I'm not talking about just shitting on AEW wrestlers that I don't like for whatever reason. But, you know, Finn Balor is a mega star in terms of just athleticism. And when he turns the demon stuff on, he then all of a sudden kind of just adds to his credibility. I've loved Finn Balor ever since he went back down to NXT and had that run. He seems to have been on fire. I would argue maybe, you know, definitely top three, in my opinion, wrestlers of the year. Um, I just think he's been fucking incredible. And every match he's had has been high quality and has meant something. It's just a shame that they have to do this silly carny stuff. It's not as bad as when Seth Rollins... And the Fiends had their Hell in a Cell match called off. So let's not go too fucking mad with this. It had an ending. You know, it, it's not fantastic. But, you know, when I see idiots like what culture giving this match two stars. Okay, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. It's fucking stupid, but you're entitled to it. Like, if you want to say the ending was stupid and I hated it, fine. But rating this match... Based solely off of the ending. That's like saying. I had a world class meal. But because the plate they served it on. Was not you know. High priced China. Well I'm going to say that this meal. Is one out of ten stars. Definitely wouldn't advise you go on here. On TripAdvisor. Like you know. Let's not get too fucking carried away. Everyone's got to engage in hyperbole. 
And I'm sure what culture have done that because they know that it'll garner interest and it'll trigger. You know, everyone's got to write a piece that's going to trigger a side. Everyone's got to write something or say something that's going to upset either AEW or WWE. I don't give a fuck about your tribalism. I don't give a fuck about which side you like. I watch both. I watch all of it. I watch Impact. I watch NXT. I watch AEW. I watch some Ring of Honor. I love the indies. That's my most passionate calling in life. So don't act like I'm here to shit on your promotion. I could give a fuck about your ratings or anything like that. But when you give Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor two stars after the match they've had, that just shows that you're... You're either fucking stupid, or you have done something solely to try and garner intrigue or interest or a reaction on the internet, which is what 99% of people do, and I'm not interested in doing that, as you know. I'm just giving you an opinion, I'm trying to entertain you while reviewing a show, and giving you honestly what I thought of the show. I thought this pay-per-view was fucking excellent. All the matches were excellent. None of them were duds. A couple of them, I was like, ah, take it or leave it in terms of I'm not as intrigued or interested like the opener or Charlotte versus Alexa because I feel like there's just so much more they could do with the women on Raw than what they're doing. But the matches that should have been great were fucking amazing. Okay. Because it ended the pay-per-view, people have to shit on it. If this, if this had happened in the first match, you know, people wouldn't have made such a big deal about it. But the thing is... Fans are quite fickle. They are. And all they remember is the last thing they remember. So they see the last thing is Finn Balor gets on the rope and the rope breaks and they think, what the fuck just happened there? And boom, Roman Reigns hits him with a spear and they think, oh, okay, a shit finish. So that means the pay-per-view was shit. No, it does not. The quality of wrestling was excellent. This was a phenomenal pay-per-view considering that it is a nothing B pay-per-view. You cannot honestly sit there and tell me that you're expecting Extreme Rules to be anything more than three or four stars. You all thought this was going to be mid-tacular. And it was so much better than that. And there were so many great performances. And people, of course, are ungrateful. You know, and Xavier Woods put up a great tweet that I saw earlier. When he said, you know what? Why not build something up without burning down the competitors around it? There is plenty of space and plenty of room for everyone to thrive and enjoy themselves. There is, but the problem is when all you see is the opposition shitting on something, even when it's good, it's it's very difficult not to turn around and say, yo, your shit ain't that good either. Nobody's shit smells like roses, ladies and gentlemen. WWE certainly doesn't. AEW's doesn't. Impact's doesn't. They all have great things and they all have shit things. And some people like the shit things and some people don't. But it feels to me like most of you out there are just defending it or shitting on it because it helps build up something else. And he's got any, that tweet was spot on for me because let's be honest, most of the people shitting on the ending of Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns are probably more inclined to watch AEW. And if you're more inclined to watch that, good. Good for you. Enjoy what you enjoy. But really, if AEW is so much better, why are you watching it anyway? It's so stupid. I oh, do AEW so much better than this. That's why I'm sitting here watching the whole thing, all three hours of it. <laughs> okay, who's the fucking moron then? You are. No idea. I thought it was an excellent pay per view. I really did. Do you know what? Send us a message if you listen to this podcast for some ungodly reason. Let me know. Let me know what you thought. I personally thought it was excellent. Um, it wasn't world class by any means. I probably would have given this pay per view a seven out of ten. Excellent for what it was. I was not expecting much. So when I get a lot for my measly 
$10 a month, which I'm not paying because I'm using someone else's network. <coughs> Sorry. Had a slight slip of the tongue. Um, you know what? I thought it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Like I say, ladies and gentlemen, at WrestlePlug, let me know what you thought. And if you are listening, send me a message because sometimes I feel like I'm sitting here shouting into the void. Hello? Is anyone now? Does anybody care about my opinions on wrestling? Um, but yeah, maybe I'm feeling positive because I had an amazing weekend working on indies and, you know, photography and stuff like that. If you would like to see that, by the way, it's at Aaron Nick's Design. Across all social media platforms, at WrestlePlug, across all social media platforms as well. Building up now to the big CWP show, November the 7th, which I'm really excited to help produce and present. So hopefully you guys will get on board for that. That's based in Southampton, Novotel. 7th of November, as I've said. £8 for adults, £4 for children. That's a bargain for any wrestling, never mind wrestling of this quality. Franco Varga, Joel Redman, Frankie T. Ebenezer de Guise and Aaron Cruz. Loads of incredible indie talents. Definitely, definitely worth your time and money if you call yourself a proper wrestling fan. And you must be if you're listening to this shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, let me know what you thought of Extreme Rules. Maybe I'm being too positive. Maybe you're happy to send me more hate mail. Or maybe you think that it's good that I'm being positive for one. But nonetheless, I enjoyed Extreme Rules. Okay, it's not for everybody. And I appreciate the finish was a bit dodgy. But it shouldn't shit all over the entire show. It shouldn't detract from the fact that so many people work so hard to put on a very good show. And by the way, the women had plenty of time and plenty of matches, and that's a good thing too. I've been Aaron X. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll catch you very soon for more content from the WrestlePlug.